sharing a series, 2014 Position for Victory. Marilyn, is that you all the way back there in the back? I don't know what you call that thing that you sent our house. The, uh, it was absolutely delicious. I believe I ate the whole thing. I don't, our visitors didn't get any. We had visitors. They didn't get it. I ate the whole thing. It was awesome. Don't feel like you ever need to do that again. But if you do, I'm available. It was really good. I think we're going to have a salmon baking contest sometime in our church. I, I love salmon patties. So far, Connie Brown is really leading the pack. But if any of you want to try to knock her out of first place, I'll be the judge. <laughs> okay, I hope you all like to laugh. <clears throat> Turn to your neighbor and tell them I love to laugh. Merry heart doeth good like a... You never be bitter and grumpy and confused and disoriented and all that kind of junk if you laugh a lot. You just, it just will not happen. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So I ran these by my wife. She liked them both. So you get to laugh. Now, this message today is the power of prayer. I understand it was Joyce Myers who years ago wrote a book or no. Yeah, she wrote a book and then did a message or, or did a message and wrote a book off of her message. I don't recall exact. I think it was on prayer, but I don't recall the exact details. All I know is it didn't sell well. The message didn't go over real big. And somebody said, now oh, you need to change the title of your message. She didn't change the message, change the title of the message, put some kind of a funky title on there. And uh, and the thing sold like hotcakes. And and it was like, OK, the power of prayer. OK, I know all about prayer. So so I have the power of prayer because that's what I thought the Lord gave us. But then also. So I put underneath here, speak up, shut up, and listen. <laughs> so, so turn to your neighbor because it's the only time you may be able to say that and say, speak up, shut up, and listen. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. That leads me into this segue on my first joke about speaking up. Are you ready? Okay. I promise you will laugh. That'll humor me along. A little boy was kneeling beside his bed with his mother and his grandmother and softly saying his prayers. Dear God, please bless mommy and daddy and all the family and give them all a good night's sleep. Suddenly he looked up and he shouted, and don't forget my bicycle for my birthday. <laughs> his mother looked at him and said, honey, there's no need to shout. God isn't deaf. The little boy looked up and said, no, but grandma is. <laughs> Pam really, being a grandma, Pam really liked that one. As a pastor, I really thought this one was cute. Young boy, young boy called the pastor of a local corner church to ask the pastor to come by and pray for his mother who was ill with the flu. The pastor knew the family and was aware that they were actually members and attending another church down the road. So the pastor asked, shouldn't you be praying uh, shouldn't you be asking Pastor Simon uh, down the road to come and pray for your mom? The young boy replied, yeah, but we didn't want to take the chance that he might catch whatever mom has. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be funny. I call up Tom Camp, say, hey, Tom, I got a few people sick in my church. Would, would you go pray for them? I don't want to get what they got. <laughs> he would get a kick out of that. 
Turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be talking about the power of prayer. And we have been, we've been sharing in here about how 2014, we are not entering in, we are into a time that Jesus described in Matthew 24 and what is described in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We've got wars and rumors of wars and challenges and pestilence and situations and earthquakes. And we've got problems all over the world. And and Jesus said all these things are going to happen. So it's not that the game is going to be postponed. It's on. But we are going to be okay as believers if we are in the center of the will of God, positioned where God wants us to be, to be what God wants us to be. And we are going from glory to glory. We are going out of here. We are the head, not the tail. And we are a bright light to a dark world. And what that means is that as the world gets darker and darker and darker, our light is going to get brighter and brighter and brighter. We're going to have to become more bold. We're going to have to know who we are. We're going to get rid of fear and anxiety and doubt and unbelief and realize that I am who God said I am. And we're going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ no matter what. So we are going to be okay. But we talked about the power of love. And now if you don't understand God's love, you'll never be all that God wants you to be. And you won't be positioned where God wants you to be. We talked about the power of a renewed mind in your thought life. If you don't get control, the self-control that you've been given by the Holy Spirit of your mind and your thoughts, you're not going to be positioned where God wants you to be. You're going to be on the sideline. Then we talked about the importance of faith and how important faith is to believe that God can do anything that he says he can do and then understand what is it that he's saying that he can do. Then we talked about entering into his rest. How many people here were here for that one? How many people know you need to hear that again about entering into his rest? You need to enter into the rest of God and stay there. The reason the children of God never inherited the promised land is because they would not enter into God's rest. They wouldn't take the word of God, mix it with faith, and say God is well able to do whatever he said. Therefore, I am going to rest. You know man was created for rest. If you ever study the garden before the fall, man was created for rest. Man was created not even to work. Do you know that? Not work the way we define work, but the way God defines it. Oh, glory to God. Then he sent man that woman. Hallelujah. Okay, that's another subject. (laughs) You know, I don't know how many of you heard this, but but I heard this story years and years ago. and, and, And I told it one time when Janet Leigh was around and she had a rebuttal to it. But I said, God looked down and he saw man. And he's just sitting there flipping through that TV set, watching sports and just having a ball, just doing nothing, you know. And he says, this old boy's not doing anything for me. I, I need to do something. So he sent him, he sent him a, a woman to, to get him in line. No, wait, I, I, I messed that all up. I said that all wrong. It's embarrassing. It used to be embarrassing to be up here and do stuff like that. Now it just doesn't matter. <laughs> Well, I do remember what Janet Lay said. <laughs> Janet Lay said, God looked down and saw that old boy all right and said, I can do better than that. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> and then we talked about living God's word. That if you don't make a decision to live the word of God, then you won't and you won't be blessed. It really is just that simple. God told us, he gave us an instruction manual, and he said, I'm going to supplement the instruction manual by the leading of my Holy Spirit. So you write it down, and you'll have the instruction manual. You have the current leading of my Holy Spirit. So everything I want you to have, you're going to have. It is a done deal. And then 
Today, we're talking about the power of prayer. If you understand how to pray. Now, prayer is merely, I, I remember when I first got saved, somebody gave me some prayer books about five different ways to pray. Intercessory prayer, this kind of prayer, praying this. I, I, when I got all finished, I couldn't figure out how I was supposed to pray. All God wants you to do is to talk to him. Turn to your neighbor and say, he just wants you to talk to him. And all prayer is based on communication with God. You communicate with God. God communicates with you. And that's why I had this catchy little title I told Pam about. Speak up, in other words, pray, talk to God, and then shut up and listen to what God is saying. When I first got saved, I went to God. I got a hold of a scripture, John 14, 14. Most of you have heard of this. John 14, 14. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Well, God, I got a list for you. Um, I want a Lincoln Continental. I want this. I want out of debt. I want all these things. And next week won't be too soon. Well, I didn't get any of that stuff because when you read the Bible and it's saying, ask God, ask God, ask God, whatever you desire, it is assuming that you understand it's talking about God's will for your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, pay attention. This is going to bless you. It's assuming that God's will for your life. Hey, by the way, we're taking a little survey here because we, somebody said we might have a sound challenge. How many of you can hear me okay over there? Everything all right? Okay, how many, everything okay here? Okay, everything okay here? Okay, everything okay over here? Okay, was the worship okay over here? Good, worship okay over here, sound. Worship okay over here? Worship okay over here? There you go, honey, A plus. Okay. <laughs> you just saved me, two thousand. you just saved our church $2,000. <laughs> Professional survey. Now, God, Jesus told us how to pray. The disciples said, how do I pray? Well, he wasn't trying to give them a rote of a formula that this is the only way you pray. This is not it. But he said, you know, in this manner, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thank you. We're in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Uh, Your kingdom come, thy will be done. Uh, on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, what, what he's basically saying is we exalt God. We know who God is. We love God. And we come to him to communicate with him and to talk with him. And that we share with God certainly what we have need of. He already knows that. But we share with God what we have need of. But then also, God speaks to us. Everybody say, God speaks to me. Tell your neighbor, God speaks to you. You know, I love my wife, and we talk quite a bit by telephone. You call me probably more than I call you, okay? <laughs> Pardon? Probably, yeah. And, but, but when I call her, I love, I love to just tell her I love her. And is there anything I can do to help you? And every once in a while, she'll say to me what I can do to help her. And I say, well, I don't really want to do that. And, <laughs> and she'll say, well, I thought you said you want to help me. And I said, that was just a figure of speech. <laughs> that, actually happened just the other, that actually happened just the other day. God wants to help you do his will. And God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And that as we enter into that plan and that purpose then God does what he says that he will do. He will meet every single need. When, when, when I was out in Tulsa, I was trying to learn at one time how to do this prayer. 
and how you, you pray. You pray every day, uh, uh, okay, I, is it an intercessory prayer? Or am I praying this kind of prayer? Or am I praying that kind of prayer? And then I went to Bible school, and that confused me all the more because they had more prayer books. And instead of having the prayer life that I had with God before when I just talked to God and He talked to me, now I was trying to figure out how to do it theologically. It wasn't working worth a darn because I just wanted to talk to God, and I believe God just wanted to talk to me. And I remember one time, I said, God, I really think it works like this. And I didn't realize that I was doing it right, but it turned out right because if you talk to God, God will always talk to you. God will never tell you, excuse me, God will never withhold from you what he wants you to know. Does that make sense to you? You as a, as a parent would never not tell a child what you want them to know. You would tell them. And God always wants to tell us what he wants us to know. And I prayed this one time because I thought God was speaking to me to go into the full-time ministry, and I couldn't figure it. I, all my mind was kicking in, the past, the junk, all the things that I had been through in my life. How many of you believe that God is speaking things to you that is far beyond what you think you can do right now? How many of you hope he's got things far beyond what you are? doing right now because he does he's taking us from glory to glory he's got a plan he's got a purpose for your life and I remember praying this one day God if you really are calling me into full-time ministry you call me up in front of of the entire congregation at Victory Christian Center well at that time we just started attending the church and Billy Joe Doherty was the pastor but he didn't even know who I was I never even met that guy and one day He's getting ready to ordain Ulf Ekman to go out to Sweden and start a church. And uh, he comes down off the platform and he stops and he turns around and he says, Brother, you have the love of Jesus on your face. I want you to come down here and pray for him. And it was as if the sea was parting. Pam and I, along with the lady who led her to the Lord, Diane Hughes, was out there visiting with us. And all these people are just sitting there, just kind of parted. And it ended up him looking at me all the way back there in that back row. And I remember going like this and said, yes, you. I had never prayed for anybody in my life. And all of a sudden, I'm going down in front of this entire church and praying for this guy. I didn't even know how to pray. I don't even to this day know what I prayed. All I know is I went down there, I prayed, and on the way back, this is what I heard in my spirit. I did what you asked me to do. Now will you do what I have asked you to do? God has a plan for your life. And when you ask God what to do, he will show you what to do and he will tell you. And then you can rest assured that every need that you have is waiting for you to do what God has called you to do. Can you say amen to that? Now, I want you to look over to the book of Mark chapter 11 because this is talking about, and we've been there before in this series, but in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, it's really talking about certainly faith and about believing, but it's talking about prayer and how when you pray, you are going to pray what you believe. It's already established. Once you've talked to God and God has told you, then it's already established. One of my heroes of faith from many, many years ago, and even to this day, is Dr. At that time, Paul Youngai Cho, he's since changed his name to Dr. David Cho, felt like the Lord instructed him to do that. He has the largest church in the world in Seoul, Korea. When asked what he attributes his success to, to having that church, he says it's two things. I pray and I obey. Let's all say that. I pray, I, pray. I, obey. I obey. 
Well, when you pray, you are certainly talking to God and communicating with God and telling God how much you love him and whatever else it is you feel to do. But you're also listening to God. One of my favorite times always is in the morning when I get up and I get out of the house and I get away with my prayer journal. And I just begin to sit and say, God, what is it that you want to show me today? And sometimes it's instant and God begins to speak. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's instant and God begins to speak and I begin to write and it's fascinating. Sometimes it takes me a while to get out of this busy mind and all of the preset conditions and things that you have going on in your life and getting rid of some of that stress and just entering into that and then starting to write that. And then this becomes what you pray, that God shows you what to do and then you begin to do it. How many of you know God is speaking things to you? Write them down. I can't make you do it. I told Pam something the other day. She said, you can't. What did you say? How did you word it? You can't tell me I have to do that. I says, you're wrong. I can't tell you you have to do that. She said, well, I don't have to do it. I said, now you're right. <laughs> but I, I can tell you what to do. <laughs> it doesn't work, but I can tell you that. I can't tell you what to do. But God shows us those things because he wants us to know so that we can release our faith in him. It's not that he put us down here like I thought in the very beginning. Okay, God, here I am and here's what I want to do. No, 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 no. He puts you down here to do what he wants you to do. Joel Osteen, or no, excuse me, Joel Osteen's father, John Osteen, said this years ago, and, and I've never forgotten it. He said in the beginning... He would pray and pray and enter into intercession and all and beg God to, to anoint his plan. God, anoint this plan. God, anoint this plan. He said one day God spoke to him and he said, Joe, or uh, John, John, he said, uh, uh, I want you to seek my plan. It's already anointed. <laughs> Don't try to get me to anoint your plan. My plan is already anointed. And so what happens is we get to the point when we are trying to determine what is it that God has for us to accomplish, and then God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. So we're going from glory to glory. Isaiah 55 says, God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. But yet what he wants done, matter of fact, I want to turn over to read the last of that scripture to you. Because if, if you're not careful, even if you're doing a good thing, you can get out from under the covering of God to do something that he hasn't called you to do. Does that make sense to anybody? But you've got to, got to enter into that flow. See, God is a spirit. John chapter 4, verse 24 says God is spirit. And so what we do in prayer, we come out of the realm of the natural, out of the, out of the mindset, and we enter into the realm of the spirit. And it doesn't always happen instantly. Sometimes it takes a while to get into that flow. But once you get into the spirit, because God is spirit, then you're ready to receive spirit to spirit. Does that make sense to all of you? In other words, spirit to spirit. And so what's going to happen is we get to the point when we want to know what God wants us to know. And if you understand that, God's thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And a lot of people are confused and have a lot of junk in their life because they're living in what is really James 3.16. James 3.16 says that when you're self-seeking, there will be confusion and every evil work in your life. 
Now, what happens to a lot of people, they think, well, I'm not a self-seeking person. I'm humble, and I'm this, and I'm that, and I don't care that much about myself. But you're trying to get God to do something your way. That's a person who is self-seeking. In the beginning, I was trying to get God to do it my way. The old song. I always loved that song by Elvis, My Way. But it needs to be rewritten. You know, the mistakes made a bunch. (laughs) But now I'm going to do it. His way. Let's just say it. Used to do it my way. Now I'm going to do it his way. How are you going to do it his way unless you know what his way is? Jesus lived his life this way. He said, I only do what the Father sees, what I saw the Father do, and what the Father shows me. Isaiah chapter 55 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Now listen to verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing in which I sent it. So what's going to happen? God is going to speak to you and show you great and mighty exploits. Let me see the hands again of all the people that you believe that you might have heard from God things that you're supposed to do, but from a financial standpoint and from every other standpoint, they're far beyond you. Can I see your hands? Everybody look around. Say, we're all in the same boat. boat. I want to share this story about prayer. Some of you have heard parts of it before, but uh, in in my life, when when I was in here on a regular basis in the office as the the senior pastor, every mission uh, letter that came to this church requesting money, I would pray over it. Lay my hands over it, pray over it, say, God, show me what to do. You know more about this than I do. Sometimes nothing went right in the trash. I'd pray for them, but, but no money. Sometimes send them $5, send them $10. Somebody asked me one time, why are we sending this guy $5? And I said, well, instead of $5 is not much to amount to them. I said, no, that's true. But if he mailed this to a million people and they're all going to respond by God leading them to give $5, I'd say he's got a pretty good income coming in there to do what God has called him to do. So we would do all that. But this one day I had a request from the Sudan. And I prayed over it. And again, some of this story you've heard before. But as I prayed over that, uh, I I felt like the Lord said, I want you to go help them. I want you to help build the orphanage, help build a dormitory. And uh, and I want you to go there. And, And at that time, in my spirit, I was spirit to spirit with God. I remember the day. And I started crying. And, and it just penetrated my heart. So does to this day. Some people say, well, when you talk about the Sudan, you, you cry. I, I'm not trying to conjure it up. As a matter of fact, I used to not try to cry. And then I felt like the Lord said to me one day, why are you trying to do that? And I thought, well, I guess if God wants me to cry, I'm going to cry. But I'm not trying to cry. Does that make sense to any of you? How many of you have ever been that way? We baptized two people. Yeah. I read this book not too long ago, The Founder of Samaritan's Purse, and it really touched my heart. And his, 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 uh, uh, his, his uh, uh, prayer to God was, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I said, oh, God, I would like that. And uh, I'm not so sure I like it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I will be sitting so I got ready to baptize this girl and it was as if as if I saw her whole life. And I just just tears started flowing. I looked up, we had all these visitors of her family looking there and I said, like, those poor old guys having a breakdown. <laughs> and then I did and then there was her brother. You're not here, are you? The two I baptized. And her brother, and I looked at him, and it was the same thing all over again. And, uh, but I believe God wants us to get to the point where we become so sensitive to what he tells us to do that we'll just do it. And so we started doing that in the Sudan. And uh, we've got a three-minute clip. We're going to go ahead. I was going to save it for Easter, but we'll do it Easter too. But go ahead and play this little clip. <clears throat> this was our last trip over there. And uh, Purdue University, I'll share with you in just a moment. Uh, share with you in just a moment, but Purdue University is definitely getting involved. As soon as some of the fighting stops, they're going to be over there. One thousand children in this school now, the new generation primary. Raising their hope, lifting their hearts, the love of the Father's reaching. Envisioning dreams and building in strength This new generation's rising These are the generations Raising their hope, lifting their hearts The love of the Father's reaching Envisioning dreams and building the strength, this new generation's rising. Face of the generation, the hope for a broken nation. Believing that God is able to build this is going to to continue to knit our hearts together that we will accomplish his purposes and his plans uh, for this nation and for the children of this nation. Thank you, God bless you. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. When God told us to go over there as a church, we went over. First project was about $12,000, second project $50,000, then $70,000. 
and, and, and that school is 1,000, the dreamland is 125 children, getting ready to bring 25 more children in. If you want a child, call the office, get registered, and, uh, and we'll process you through there. We didn't have any money at the time, no money whatsoever. And I remember praying and asking God, you know, I, I don't know how to do this. And through a series of events, all the money has always been there for the sedan. And, uh, and then when, when God spoke into my heart through a gentleman that I met in, in the Sudan, through prayer and praying one day, and actually when God sp- first spoke to us about the Sudan, I had to get a map out and find out where it was. I knew it was in Africa, but I didn't know where. And, uh, and, but everybody said, God's got a sense of humor. Turn to that person next to you, you can verify that. But, <laughs> but, but so, so then, so then, after I got over there and Stanley's talking to me and he's telling the story, we have it on video about how he's ready to give up. He was going to leave the ministry. And we showed up and we were knit with him as a church and knit with him as a people. And, and, and the rest is all history. He's been involved in the government now. And so God speaks into my heart to go to Purdue University and talk to them. Now, I'm not talking to you about me. I'm talking to you about the prayer and what God will do in your life for where you are right now. God is speaking to some of you right now, and it's just way beyond where you are. But God said, I want you to go to Purdue and get them involved in and in present all this to the Purdue University. And the guy told me who to talk to and how to do it. So I went over and I sat down with, with Dr. Lo- Jess Lohenberg De Beer, who you saw in there, if you didn't recognize that one guy with a lot of beard. And uh, so I'm sitting there in his office. I am so far over my head. He's talking about agriculture and all of the things that they do over there. And he's talking about this foundation that he's involved with and on the board with. And, 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 and I'm just talking to him about the Sudan. And all of a sudden, I, I just said to him, well, John Garong, the first president of the South Sudan, was, uh, of the South Sudan was just a man that I really admire. He was killed in a helicopter uh, crash, probably assassinated. And I just started crying. And I thought, oh, not again. And I just was sobbing in front of this guy I just met. And he's a really high mucky muck. He's not that kind of guy, but credentialed. And, and, I, and I'm sitting there crying, thinking, oh, God, not now. And I'm just crying. I said, I said, John Garong to me, I've never met him, but he's like a hero. He's like George Washington. He's the father of their nation. And he sat back in his desk. Some of you have heard this story. He sat back in his desk and he said, oh, John, what a wonderful man. And I thought, that's an odd statement. Do you know John Garong? Yes, we got our doctorates together at Iowa State University. Glory to God. I'm sitting with a guy who got the doctorate from the first president in the South Sudan, and then this is what he said. And then I cried more. (laughs) He said, I have been looking for an opportunity to get involved in the South Sudan. The United States government has wanted us to become involved. Some of the foundations we work with want us to become involved. This could be our opportunity. Now, the Word of God says he uses the simple to confound the wise. I was simple and I was confounded because I'm sitting there watching this unfold before my very eyes thinking, wow, this is unbelievable. Now, Purdue has reached the point when they have finished their research and they want to go. They believe that the entire 
nation of the southern Sudan can become the breadbasket for eastern Africa. I have something similar to that written in my prayer journal. And I remember writing it down. And I went back. It's not this one. It's a previous journal. And I went back and and looked at that and I said, it's not the exact wording, but it's the same thing. And I thought, why are you telling me about that? That's what I thought when I wrote it down. Tell your neighbor, God knows what he's doing. He'll tell you things because he's going to have you act them out. Ephesians 5.1, if, if you get a glimpse of this, it'll, it'll change your life. Ephesians 5.1 says, be imitators of God as dear little children. What is God telling you? Imitate it. Imitate it. Imitate. If he's telling you to change a nation, imitate it. Start acting like you're going to change a nation. We're sitting there talking, and he, and he pulls out this bag, and he says, listen, I think that once we, this is another time, but I, I think once we get this thing off, the, we got to get the train rolling first. And then once we get it rolling, I thought train rolling sounds like money to me. And, uh, and, and, and we said, once we get the train rolling, then we get the foundations involved. And I said, that's great. I said, well, how much do we need? He said, we're going to need about $30,000. I said, okay. And he said, then we can get in probably the Gates Foundation, probably the Buffett Foundation. He says, you know, Bill and Linda like this kind of stuff once you get it rolling. I said, Bill and Melinda, that's okay. Find out he sits on the board of the Gates Foundation. Amen. He sits on the board of the Gates Foundation. He knows Howard Buffett. He knows all these people. This is what he said to me. If we can get the train rolling, it's, there's no problem getting the money. It's a four to five million dollar project. Four to five million dollar project. Now, some of you heard this. About three weeks ago, I just mentioned a casualty to our church. Lady came up to me after the service. Um, this all fits into prayer. Everybody say, where, where God leads, where God leads he, provides. he provides. You don't have to make money for God. God's got the money for you. And, uh, and, and so I just casually mentioned the first service. Lady came up to me after the service, said, I want to I be involved in that Sudan project. Uh, we'll do a $5,000 matching grant. Whoa, that sounds good to me. Mentioned at the second service, somebody came up, said, well, I want to match that. I'll do the $5,000. Now we've got $10,000. Lady who doesn't even attend our church, and some of you heard this before, saw it on the internet. She called the church, said, I want to in on it. I gave $5,000. Or four, yeah, $5,000. So now we've got $15,000, and we haven't even started the program yet, and we don't even need the money yet. And a lady came in here the first service last Sunday. I didn't mention this, which is rare. Second service, I mentioned it. Lady got ready to leave on the other side. Saw me, came walking over, and then said, "I went in on it. I'll give you forty-five hundred dollars." So now we got nineteen thousand. After the first service, I told the first service, I said, "I'm not going to fail to mention this again." <laughs> Guy walked up to me at the end of the service, said, "Here, I want involved," and he handed me a two thousand dollar check. I'll be at the door right after the service. <laughs> Now, here's the point. It's not that. The point is this. Whatever God tells you to do, he'll pay for it. Whatever God tells you to do, he'll supply the resources. He'll put the people in your path, and you will think, I would have never, ever thought about this, and I believe God has a sense of humor. Because not too long ago, I, I was praying something, and it turned out, it was uh, several years ago, actually, but as it turned out, it was so far different than what I had ever thought about. I just, I would have... And I said, I would have never thought of that out loud. And this is instantly what I heard in my spirit. That's why you're not God. 
I think God has a sense of humor. I really do. I heard that just as clear in my spirit. Now, if you'll turn to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, this will bring it all home because once your confidence level is built up to, if I can hear from God, I know I have everything I need. Does that make sense? Once I've heard from God, I know that I have everything that I need because God will never tell me to do something that he hasn't already put in motion the equipment that I need of people, manpower, money, all of these types of things. I was over there and a guy told me, a guy told me in the Sudan, he said, this Sudan is really rich soil. And I said, okay. And all of a sudden, a guy, a couple days later, Brad and I are over there and these three people come walking down the road. And this one guy is huge. And, and he introduces himself, Stefan Radlich. And I thought, gosh, I know that name. And he says, well, I'm with Feed the Hungry in South Bend. I said, I remember you. I've seen you on television. He said, yeah. He said, you left Victory before I did, but I was, I'm a VBI graduate, Victory Bible Institute graduate. I said, you are? I said, Stanley's a VBI graduate in, in Cairo because of the Bible school that we had in Cairo, Egypt. So he got these two guys with him. And these two guys, I, I, I talked to this one guy and, and the other guy, and the other guy kind of bonds with us, and he's been very instrumental in helping get Purdue on board over there. And I said, well, where are you guys? What part of the country you guys are from? He said, we're from Carmel. Now, here we are in, in yay, South Sudan. Got a guy from South Bend and two guys from Carmel. I said, really? I said, yeah. Now, they've just been talking, Stanley, about agriculture. And I said, what do you two guys do? And he said, well, we're agricultural graduates from Purdue University, and we're in the agricultural field, and we have our own business. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, would you like to get involved? I, I can share a lot of stuff with you. And he started pumping this stuff into me. And it was just like, wow, this is really good. God will supply all you need. Tell your neighbor, God will supply all you need. Now, it won't always look like it, but in your spirit, you can know it. You have to move past what it looks like to realize I am going to be able to do everything that God said. First John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. This is how we'll bring it all in because it is such a powerful scripture. The Word of God says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask, and this is talking about prayer, <clears throat> this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask when we pray, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked Him for. So what happens when we pray? We have everything. That, that's Mark eleven twenty four. When you pray, believe that you receive, that you will have everything that God has for you. So no matter where you are today, God has a plan far beyond you. Now this is what we do with our natural mind. Everyone of us do it. I do it. If I'm with my natural mind and not in the realm of the spirit, I will have limitations. I'm limited by the amount of money I have. I'm limited by the amount of education I have. I'm limited by the amount of people that I know that could help me and network with me. I have limits. But in the realm of spirit, there are no limits. When we enter into prayer, seeking God and 
talking and loving him and telling him what we think about him and all of those things, that's great. But when we enter into prayer and say, God, speak to me and tell me what you want me to know, he begins to show us things and everything he shows you, you have the provision of. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.